Hi, it's Jesse, the founder of MaxFun, coming to you from the microphone at my home office where I am socially segregating. So we promised you a MaxFun drive this week, but things haven't exactly gone how we expected. So given the pandemic, we're going to postpone this year's drive. Uh, events are still fluid, so we're hesitant to give you specifics about new dates. Right now, we have late April penciled into our calendars. We'll keep you posted about that. As it stands, a lot of our drive machinery was already cranked up. So for one thing, you might hear a reference or two to the drive in our shows, which might have been recorded before we made this decision. And uh, here is some good news. There's a bunch of great bonus content available for all of our MaxFund members. If you're a member and you missed the email with instructions on how to listen, check your spam folder or log in at MaximumFun.org slash manage. Uh, also at MaximumFun.org slash manage, you can change your membership if your circumstances have changed. We know this is a tough time for a lot of people and we understand. You can also go to MaximumFun.org slash join at any time if you'd like to become a member. During the next couple of weeks, what would have been the drive, we're going to do our best to be extra available to you. Uh, we've got some streaming events planned, some social media stuff. We know a lot of folks are isolated right now, and we want to help provide comfort in the best ways that we know how. You can follow us on social media, and we'll let you know what's up. During this tough time, I have been feeling really grateful for my community of colleagues here at MaxFun and for you, the folks who make our work possible, goofy as that work may sometimes be. Stay safe out there. We're thinking of you. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and we're, we're going, going round Springfield. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It feels good every time. <laughs> Natural as pie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so if you are just joining us on our new iteration of uh, our podcast journey, uh, we were previously Everything's Coming Up Simpsons, where special guests would talk about their favorite episode of The Simpsons, um, and we're done with that. Get out of here. That is in our rear view mirror. It, the, the person I was when I made that podcast is dead now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I cannot say words currently. Mine is buried next to you. Mm, it's kind of nice. Right. It's that sweet. is kind of nice. That's it's really sweet. But we've been sweet. reborn, uh, yes. and now we talk to uh, exclusively... We talk to Simpsons people. So no Weird Al on this one, folks. Weird no. Al had his time. Actually, he's kind of a Simpsons person. <laughs> he is, actually. Yeah, he can come back. That, yeah, yeah, he can come back. Come but on the everyone show. else is dead to us, just like our former selves. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this time we talked to uh, Simpsons writers, Simpsons voice actors, people who've worked on The Simpsons about a favorite project of theirs. Sometimes it's projects that uh, they did when they were in high school, and we'd get to hear about how they were theater nerds. Sometimes yeah. it's people talking about Futurama. Uh, mm. And this time we're going to make a lot of people happy because we are going to actually be talking a lot more about The Simpsons than we have been. And you guys deserve it, listeners. Yeah, you I have been asking us to talk a little bit more. So this is going to be great. But he's not a weird owl. That's what I'll no. say. He's a very cool owl. <laughs> <laughs> Am I teeing you up well, Julia? <laughs> oh, my God. I have to take a minute for cool owl. Um, you know him. You love him. This is his Fourth time appearing on our podcast. And first of this iteration. And first of this iteration. I mean, he runs The Simpsons, basically. Can we say that? You run The Simpsons right now. I have for 20 years. You so have for 20 that's years. That's good enough. Please welcome to the show, <laughs> cool, cool Al, Al Jean. <laughs> well, I just want to put in a plug for Weird Al. He, sa he saved our ass at the Hollywood Bowl when we did a Simpsons show. Oh, yeah. He was the act one break doing his song that he did from uh, the episode Three Gays of the Condo. Yeah. So uh, it was like a Jack and Diane. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I told props to Weird Al. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Allie and I were in the audience for that. And we, we cried. We cried multiple times. Oh, my God. Yeah, we cried during uh, Lisa's your birthday. Yeah. And 
I feel like I cried somewhere else. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was just really emotional to see this famous, you know, location yeah. decked out in Simpson stuff. It yeah. was really cool. And to, to also, my of, dad was there. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why I was crying too. Um, I cried because Matt Groening thanked everybody that worked on it. I worked really hard on it, and he thanked everybody but me. Oh my and he was God. going, "I'm missing someone. I'm missing someone." And he walked off. So I texted him. I think you forgot me. And then he was great. Then he came back out and he thanked me. He's specific, so it was much better. That's was great. Like, you waiting, like, hmm, who am I? <laughs> yeah, like you're the wife at home being like, uh. <laughs> yeah, that was incredible. He, he, and he totally made up for it. He was amazing. That's that great. Good. Um, yeah, well, the Weird Al part of that was incredible. And I, I want to say that I laughed especially hard when he says, like, uh, I haven't watched from season 10 on. <laughs> we wrote that line for him. Right? Good, 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 People good. were like, he dumped on you. You didn't know no. he was going to do that. I'm like, like A, no, we he wouldn't it. do that. And <laughs> right? B, we, you know, I mean, we wrote that line. I figured so it's it great. Much. Yeah, <laughs> and then having Conan sing the monorail song was incredible. That was so great. Well, what was really funny is he did a couple of rehearsals, and in the rehearsals he was talking about how he left The Simpsons and got his show, and he was going, I guess Fox asked for money from him, and he's going, asking for money from a young writer, this big company, <laughs> really <laughs> funny, long routine. I wish yeah. that had been taped, but you can watch it all on YouTube. That's and awesome. Conan oh, cool. and Weird Al saved the show, both of them. They were both so fantastic. Well, That's I would awesome. also say that, didn't you have the West Hollywood Gay Men's Choir? Sing? They were fantastic. They were so great. Good. Yeah. They, they saved songs. the show too. <laughs> no, no, they did. They, they, they did songs like "Be My Vest" and stuff that like was that. Amazing. They, they, yeah, they, yeah, they were like the. And then we did do the Bartman with Nancy leading it at the end. Yeah, yeah. they were fantastic. I mean, I, I want to say the whole show was amazing. There was no clunkers. Oh, point. and we have um, Kip Lennon, who sang that Lisa, It's Your Birthday right. song on the That's show. That's so cool. Sang it live at the yeah, thing. So you yeah. see on YouTube, too. That was so great. Yeah, it, it was just so great, too. If listeners, you have not been to the Hollywood Bowl, come out here. Get on a plane. Go to the Hollywood Bowl, because it is this really majestic but experience. But don't park there. Don't yeah. park there. Don't park yeah, that's there. a really good Uber. Really good Uber. Uber over, park in either a nearby, uh, you know, neighborhood and then walk over. Um, but to have it be, you know, this incredible view of the Hollywood Hills and then having clips from the show play on the big um, projector screen and just having this really immersive experience was really, really cool. Yeah, and it's great to see groups like I saw Steely Dan there. And there. I it's, saw it's Steely Dan there with Elvis Costello a couple times. And Donald Fagan still got everything. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. And they were smart. The arrangements, you know, they had such great backups that, so they can get a new backup and they're still perfect. Yeah. Uh, one funny thing about Steely Dan playing there, though, and then we'll get back into The Simpsons. They, My favorite song is Dirty Work, which isn't mm-hmm. even sung by the main dude. And so, you know, they didn't have him just come out to sing one song. Instead, they had like this really sexy, like the Steely Danettes, like these ladies that were in these red (laughs) Jessica Rabbit dresses. And they were, you know, like, you know, just kind of like that great, like Motown backup singer type band. did the same thing for his tour. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Um, But it was funny because like this song that's so sad, in my opinion, uh, and like sounds like someone's head is in the oven now is like this really glitzy sexy just like daddy work no more I, just like I, what the hell I actually really love that I'll say one more thing and then we can dive back into the topic at hand um, but I don't know if either of you have seen um, the clip from Ellen where um, uh, Harry Connick Jr.'s daughter Kate sang a song she wanted to be a singer for like six months and then quit that for obvious reasons because when you see the clip She's not really having a good time singing. <laughs> She's singing very flatly, and it's a song that doesn't quite make sense. However, she has the most energetic dancers behind her <laughs> that are like, boo doo boo 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 doo doo And she's like, I've got a friend. She's just... It's oh, the most so amazing. I'll send but it's to not on you. purpose, right? <laughs> no, it's not on purpose. That's you something... really feel for her. But it's like, it was a really bad move to have the most energetic up with people dancers that's great. behind her. Because I do that's like funny. acoustic folk music that's kind of... Of sadder um, in the tone. Lyrically, the songs are funny, but the tone of them are a little like you know sadder. Um, and I always thought it'd be funny to have like a very energetic like stage performance accompanied by that, yeah. like a laser show or like you can still, <laughs> yeah, I would love pyro- that pyrotechnics. But yes, I have one Hollywood question. Were you there when Paul McCartney brought out Ringo? 
Yes. <gasps> uh, well, um, actually, I I was there when he did that at the Dodger Stadium. Was oh, Dodger Stadium? Yes. Actually, oh my god, what was that like? Uh, oh my god, it was god, incredible. I'm so jealous. It was absolutely incredible. There were the two remaining Beatles on stage. Everybody lost their mind. Ringo was drumming along with the other drummer, which made it kind <laughs> of like, let you know what Paul thinks he's, of Ringo's oh drumming. No, he's singing <laughs> along to the karaoke track. Um, wow. But I will tell a story of um, <laughs> of uh, the. Showrunner of um, Dysfunctional Family, Kirk Rodell. He was uh, he was at the same concert, and he had to leave a little early to pick up his daughter. And uh, you know, not that far from the stadium, he felt like he had seen enough great Paul McCartney songs. He's like, okay, you know, yeah, I'll maybe miss you know something cool, but. Um you know, I got to do what I got to do. I got to be a good dad. And so he's leaving. And then uh, it's like, maybe I'm amazed is playing. And suddenly there are these incredible fireworks going off. Like as he's leaving the stadium, he's like, oh, that sucks. I'm missing the fireworks. And then you could hear Paul say, and now. (laughs) (laughs) The ghost of John Lennon. That feels like a Simpsons joke. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. (laughs) The schadenfreude just layered on Paul layers. That's so funny. I'm going off and off topic. But if you look at the famous Kirk Gibson home run, 1988, you can see the taillights of a guy who'd left oh. in the bleachers, and the home runs hit, and he stops. It's like, no! Oh. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh. Uh, so, uh, today, we are very excited because, um, you know, typically on the show, we, we kind of have like a casual, let's see where it goes uh, type of conversation, but but this time, Cool Al's prepared. And, uh... Don't get used to this. <laughs> this <scripter. laughs> I hope that you change your Twitter name yeah, tomorrow. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, Weird Al is the greatest Al. Or Al Gore. I know. <laughs> Celebrate. Interesting. No. I will. This, I hate to admit I know this fact. On, on famous Al's, I'm number 21 next to my childhood hero, Al Kaline. Wow. Yeah. Where is the list of famous Al's? Yeah, you can Google it. If you... <laughs> my daughter showed it to me. I Who's didn't... the most famous Al? Uh, it's famous, most famous sales are Al Pacino, Al Gore, and Al Yankovic. But today we are talking about the Simpsons movie, uh, and I'm very excited that we get to kind of dedicate an episode to this because yeah. it wouldn't have worked on everything's coming up Simpsons because we were talking about favorite episodes, and that would have been a cheat to mm-hmm. say that the movie's your favorite. Um, but uh, I I feel like this movie is very important to so many people. It was an and event. It when was it came absolutely out. one of the most exciting things as a Simpsons fan to see was going to happen. Yeah. Um, um, including for people that had fa- fallen off of The Simpsons by that point because maybe they went to college or, like, they just kind of weren't watching it with their families anymore. For whatever reason, you know, they watched it as a kid and then grew out of it, whatever. Um, I know, I-, I feel like I don't know a single person that didn't see it. Yeah. Like, even if they weren't, like, because I-, I had friends that weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons either, and they were finally old enough. They're like, oh, I'm going to check out this Bart fellow, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, this movie, I remember seeing it with my family and all of us, like, laughing super hard and crying during it and right. it, it really felt like a movie as it should have because it was one but it really felt cinematic just because it had everything that you would want from a movie and I'm very excited to get super into it yeah I mean there is something about the experience similar to the Hollywood Bowl in like having this shared communal experience of other people who laugh at the same things you laugh at and you know have had the same experience with this amazing show for you know most of their life to then see it on the big screen and to celebrate in that and you know it does in a lot of ways feel like an extra special extra long episode there's even like a joke in the middle that you guys put in of a title card that says to be continued right, right. now or people are really mad to, the, to be continued what and then the right now just in time <laughs> um, <laughs> they're getting up and then getting no, no. down <laughs> they <would have> been... <laughs> their tomato hands are at the they ready they were so mad for two seconds <laughs> yeah, um, yeah but yeah you know it's uh, the, the feeling of seeing your friends that you love on TV getting their own movie is it's, you know, the, the early Simpsons gets that accurately with uh, the Itchy and Scratchy movie coming right. and this idea of like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe they're going to make this a thing. And so uh, I think we should start at the very top of, of the the birthplace of this movie. How did this uh, how did this come to be? Whose idea was it? Uh, and what was the writing process like? We could start anywhere, but basically I, the I remember really clearly. I was yeah. there the whole time that um, Jim Brooks has, has said we did 150 drafts to make a movie that look casual like we just <laughs> tossed it off. Yeah. And uh, just before Thanksgiving 2003, we had a meeting at the seven original writers and Matt Groening pitched that Homer gets a pig that he loves but that he can't 
dispose of the pig crab. He had read that article in Midwestern cities had this problem with pig waste. And Jim loved it. And so between that, that was the idea. Oh, wow. At that same very first meeting, I don't know who somebody pitched the town gets put under a dome because it's so polluted. <laughs> and so that was this all the way. And then the uh, like a script I have here with me from 2005 was the first time we read it at the table. We read it in three parts, three over three days. And the beginning is really pretty much the same. We is the movie that came out. You know, the only kind of thing that changed along the way was Jim said we should have uh, something that tells you that there's a mystery. So he put in the scene where Grandpa is crazy in the church, mm. which was originally Marge. Mm. And we had her record it three times. And then she came and said, I think, I think you're hurting my voice. Oh, 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 no. <laughs> so, uh, and, and you're like, our... I don't give a crap. Go <laughs> back and no, work. <laughs> no, I felt terrible. And the other problem was I thought it didn't work that Marge was crazy. You don't want Marge to be crazy. No. Whereas if Grandpa is crazy and they put him in a carpet and they take him in the carpet to the yeah. pancake restaurant, nobody's going to care. So. <laughs> Uh, that we changed it to grandpa for those two reasons and it worked better and there were a million changes in the I have a little scene I'll read this yeah. is a scene that was cut where uh, they're talking about the pig waste and um Marge says, Homer, what are you doing with the pig's leavings? What? You know, his droppings. I don't get it. His pellets. <laughs> Say it again. His mementos. You've lost me. His squirtings. His hooings. <laughs> his rear expulsions. Pardon? His butterfinger BBs. Says which? His butt mud. Butt mud. <laughs> don't believe I've had the pleasure. His steamers. His gruntlings. His digestive postscripts. And then it goes into the silo. That's the kind of thing you didn't see <laughs> because we had, That's amazing. we had advanced screenings. <laughs> we had a whole sequence where they went to a circus uh, that's briefly in there now where the motorcycle goes in a circle right. but there was a clown named Scuzzo uh, and it was Hank doing the voice and the whole thing was cut uh, oh, Scuzzo wow. reappeared later in a later episode um, and there was a joke that was really great that we put in an episode which was we had King Tut exhibit in the in the show at one point, and Bart was trapped in the coffin. <laughs> and Homer says, "Marge, he's got to get over his fear of coffins." And we put that in the episode "Funeral for a Fiend." So the, the script really they kept funny. on giving. I love that. So one um, one thing that many people ask is kind of so you have Albert Brooks playing this character. Everyone loves Hank Scorpio. Was it ever discussed as having <laughs> Hank Scorpio as the villain, or was it always like, no, Albert Brooks is going to do his own thing because it's a new movie and we want a new idea. Here's why I laugh is that the um, original concept for the character was he was very depressed and spoke <laughs> very slowly. And he was at the um, correspondence dinner in Washington in a scene and he was just sad. And, and <laughs> we recorded it and we had that in the first screening in Portland. And the audience was like, oh, he's so boring. You know, just like, you can't take it. So we took a look at Hank Scorpio <laughs> and we said, how about we make him like this? Or another model was uh, Donald Rumsfeld. Mm -hmm. And so Albert brought in a pair of glasses like Rumsfeld. Everything that's in the movie, he recorded in one hour. What? Oh, he recorded wow. all this hilarious stuff for hours and hours that we never used that one hour that he did with the fast pace wow. is all the stuff that's in the movie. And, then, you know, a lot of those lines came in lately. Like I was elected to lead, not to read, uh -huh. things oh, like great. that. And many things came in late. Spider Pig was not intended to be uh, the, the joke about Spider Pig and singing this song came in after the first rewrite, uh, after the first screening. And then suddenly they're putting it in all the ads. And it's like, no, this is what <laughs> oh, the movie yeah. was about. I mean, it was about a pig, but not. <laughs> they, they were just trying to find their minions before minions were minions. No, no, I know. <laughs> Interesting, said. by the way, minions are yellow. They're pretty similar. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. Another animated character. Matt. Yeah. Um, what are you doing? Matt. Um, um, well, I guess you're part of the Universal theme park family and the Disney family now, so. That's true. Uh, you get a little column A, column B. Seeing the Spider Pig song was very exciting, I will say. Like, yeah. I, so it came out in 2007? What, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, seven twenty-seven oh seven. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, I, I was sixteen. That's an age where comedy that could be associated with your childhood. You might start to feel a little bit kind of like I like grown-up things now, mm -hmm. and it's still kind of like that's so good though. It is so good. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a very like. I don't know. It's it's one of the it's it's very catchy, and they have it at the theme park as well. Yeah, it's I thought it was a funny. Ceiling. I mean, I pitched it, and I thought that it was funny it just got overblown mm -hmm. so that people at the end totally. were like we're sick of it and I'm like well it wasn't really you <laughs> yeah know. it's like Bartmania part two yeah. or something uh, I'm curious on the villain uh, topic um, there were also some questions I know from fans who were curious why Mr. Burns wasn't the villain in this was that ever something that you guys were considering 
because it didn't make sense to us that Mr. Burns was polluting the town from outside, mm-hmm. it made more sense that Homer caused the pollution. And, and it was better for the script that it was Homer's fault. Yeah. Because, like, the key scene, the key um, thing is where, you know, Marge tapes over the wedding video and she can't forgive him for doing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so we figured it's better that he does it and then an outside force puts the – there was also a big debate, as you might expect, over is it Rainier, Wolfcastle, or Schwarzenegger. But like you were saying, people wanted to – we wanted people to see the movie who weren't that familiar with the show. So after a long debate, you know, we said let's just make it Schwarzenegger in the movie. Even right. though mm-hmm. like fans were like, wait a minute, why did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's what I got also to say to that. How come Sideshow Bob wasn't in it? We actually had a line for him. But what we found is when we tested the movie, and I know you shouldn't always go with testing, but it was pretty helpful, that with the Sideshow Bob line didn't play, it kind of threw people out of the moment. So, you know, yeah. uh, so we put him on the ride, and then he was great in the ride. Well, and yeah, I- and also, like, you know, if you're going to have a Batman movie, like, you don't need to have every single That's what I was going to say. Like, no, yeah, and you, you, know? you feel overstuffed after a point. Yeah, when it's like yeah. all the villains, you just go, like, I would rather there's just one, like, Bane. Right, right, exactly. Well, that's the pressure of, like, translating this show that has been beloved for many years and has so many seasons to pick from, so much world building. Like, it's um, an embarrassment of riches to then, like, try and make that into a movie. And I think, you know, you just need to pick a path and be like, this is what the story is. And we don't need to, like, include everybody that's on that classic Simpsons poster yes, of all the characters. that's what we found. Well, in terms of pressure, my quote was, if I felt any more pressure, I'd be a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> I, we were so, right. you know, I... I I, there have been, you know, movies based on TV shows that were really bad that I won't name Sex and the City too. <laughs> hey, <laughs> wait a minute. No, no. no. That truly I, I mean, insane. Sex and the City is a good show. And it was, you know, started realistic. And then it's right. this insane yeah. thing about a woman who has sex in a Muslim country. So she's going to get killed. And it I go like, insane. what are you nuts? Yeah. It, they, it felt like they were writing it as they went. That said. But that's different. That said, the movie Help. Uh, starring the Beatles, uh, <laughs> equally crazy plot. So you go from Hard Day's Night, which right. much like Sex and the City, very realistic, very huh. grounded, huh. and then you go to uh, uh, Help, where Ringo comes across this group of um, people who are, are about to do a self-sacrifice if you wear this giant ring, and because he's Ringo, that's going to be who has it on, and he can't get it off. So everybody's trying to kill yeah. him because of this ring. It's one of the more absurd, crazy things. And if it you has... don't like non-South Asians doing Indian accents, don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good warning. Exactly. Thank you for that However, trigger warning. The best soundtrack. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I also, I mean, well, that's. That movie, I feel like, exists in its own category and it's very time and place of when it came out. But I did really like when years and years and years later the Spice World movie came out, how it felt like it was emulating sort it of was. The, the zaniness Absolutely. of that movie the was Beatles great. movies. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's so great. The end of it, they have like this post-credits thing where where one of them is saying, they're addressing the audience and saying like, you in the red shirt. Yeah. And I definitely was wearing a red shirt when that happened yeah. and I lost <gasps> <me>. my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> they can see me. That's a good technique. we got to remember that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's never a way to say this that doesn't sound like I'm bragging, but my hologram, uh, <laughs> my my hologram that performs at the Detroit airport. I know there are two. I don't know which one, um, but uh, they should fly me out there. I should think. But anyway, can you back up just a little bit and explain how you have a hologram? Yeah, the company that made the Tupac hologram <laughs> wanted to get other people doing uh, performances that could entertain patrons at the one of these Denver airports, and so I was asked, and I said, yeah. And I think they paid me like fifty dollars, um, but for your uh, likeness forever. But my likeness exists forever. It's really crazy, um, and I guess the technology has since been kind of uh, advanced. I got to see kind of a newer model of me, which yeah. is very bizarre. <laughs> oh um, one thing I'll say is that, like, if you don't like the experience of having a photo of you that you don't like, try having a hologram you don't like. <laughs> uh, I, I wish I was. Uh, I wish I looked more like how I do now than when I did then. But that's okay. But basically, my hologram i decided to steal the the spice girls trick and uh i do have a couple of like addressing people that i think could have been walking by because i'm at an airport so i had a guess of just you know luggage jokes and that stuff but anyway yeah you go on the ride um soaring over california at a um uh, california adventure you can see on the safety video jay kogan original simpsons writer (gasps) oh wow really (laughs) the one where they tell him to take off his hat (gasps) that's that's so funny oh my god Oh, that's so funny. I have kind of... your seatbelt. I have a story kind of in that zone. Well, technically, I 
think my family and I are in the end of that ride video because, <laughs> um, you know, when at the end they go to Disneyland and they're over and there's like a the parade and yeah. yeah all. So um, that happened during uh, Disney employee night. My mom's worked for Disney for 30 years. So we always we went to the employee nights. We all get there eventually. Yeah, yeah, well, yes, we will. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, uh, technically we are. I've yet to find us, but we, they, we saw them uh, filming it. We were there like seeing the same parade over and over and you know hung out for hours just to make sure we were in the ride so oh, hey wow. we, we're co-starring in the ride and that's, <laughs> one, of the, that's one of the best rides it really is it really, it really is. is listeners let's take a moment to think about how great that ride is during this break <laughs> <laughs> You know, not as great as the Simpsons ride at Universal Studios hey. Hollywood and Orlando. <laughs> They're oh, both good. They're I, both uh, good. I am going to uh, Florida for my birthday to, uh, to to go to the theme parks, and I'm very excited because if you haven't had the opportunity to do this, uh, having a Duff beer on the Hogwarts Express is truly one of the greatest yeah. pleasures in <laughs> it life. It really is. Um, <laughs> but uh, so uh, let's talk more about uh, the plot of this movie. The idea of, of yes, you have this incredibly successful TV show that is now going to be uh, movieized. And you said, you know, you want to have people that maybe didn't even know The Simpsons or at least aren't religious fans um, still enjoy it. Um, how, how much of that uh, goes into the process of writing it? Because it's not like you're introducing the characters uh, as if they haven't existed, but you right. do need to hook them in case they haven't seen it before. How, how much we of pre- it? We pretty much wrote it as if you were watching an episode for the first time that you really didn't know them very well. And it was good because you got no bonus points on screen for anybody making an entrance, for anybody coming in. Yeah, it just had to be good. funny on in and out of itself. There was a song at the beginning of this draft called Springfield Saturday Night where we had this whole thing introducing people and it was the night, the night before the church scene that's in the movie and it played at the table but then when we screened it people were just eh, that doesn't have a storyline doesn't go anywhere so mm, we got it and then Matt Groening also pitched the he said I always wanted to do a scene where Bart skateboards nude through Springfield <laughs> um, I think it was Mike Scully's joke that you did see his penis for one brief second <laughs> um, and then I had suggested that um Bart wished that Flanders was his dad instead of Homer. So we turned that into the emotional plot that that was. And um, the biggest thing was just making it a story, like you were saying, is that, you know, Jim, obviously, who has won Oscars and knows everything about filmmaking, just kept saying it can't be a long episode. It has to be something where you're really wondering at the end. It isn't just is the town going to get saved because it will, but is Bart going to forgive Homer? Right. Yeah. Know, is all of this going to happen? Is Marge going to forgive Homer? And we wanted to. That's why we think that the you know a wedding video scene was so key because then you really understand this is a riff different from all the 300 breakups they've had on the show. And I know we've done a lot of them, yeah, but we yeah. wanted to make it more serious. And mm-hmm. Julie, that scene, she recorded a hundred times where she was saying wedding video stuff about how upset she was with mm-hmm. Homer. And the last take, she, I believe, had a cold and it really helped with the emotion. You know, yeah. she, yeah. her voice She's was breaking. breaking and it was really, really great. And uh, she got nominated for an Annie Award for it. So good. Yeah. yeah, that was emotionally the key. And... um in a movie, unlike a TV show, which is going to be back next week, there is this possibility of like, well, maybe something permanent could happen in this show. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, or in the movie, you know, like may- like I definitely thought like, oh, well, maybe they might actually get a divorce. And like I because my parents were actually also getting a divorce at that time. Yeah. So I was kind of like anything could happen. <laughs> like, right. No, and no one understands why they're together. <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, the theme the, the home and Marge. Yeah. yeah. And I think that <laughs> my parents. Yeah. But Ju- Julie's theory, by the way, Julie Kavner says that oh. Homer's great in bed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think I've heard that. I think I've heard her say that. He's got to be. Yeah, he's got to be um but i think that it's that's interesting too because you know in a movie you get to kind of play with the canon a little bit and yeah. if you know if pressed if you did god forbid break up this couple in uh the movie you could defend yourself by saying well that's separate from the tv show or something like that so i felt like those stakes were real but i want to also talk about you know the plot is very environmentally focused i know that you said it came from uh homer just wanting to deposit pig droppings <laughs> um but which which is matt had told us that the pitch said was a real issue yeah was, you yeah know, that's disposal crazy. of waste is and you now know like people aren't you know buying our recycling and you know right, it, right, it just right. gets worse every year. Yeah, but it's it's interesting to see this movie and have it come out in 2007 and have such an environmental 
theme to its message. Um, I got to ask, did the Simpsons movie solve climate change? <laughs> I, I think it was one of the many ignored warnings. <laughs> I'll put us on like that grandpa. list. Like grandpa. It is yeah. the grandpa of messages. We are messages. the grandpa of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, things have flabbergasted me. that it, We actually were lucky that uh, Al Gore actually came and showed us an inconvenient truth at the Simpsons. Oh, the wow. Yeah, in 2005 or whatever. And I said, oh, my God, this is really like we have no time to spare yeah. then. And that was 15 years ago. That's mm-hmm. crazy. And just the fact that it it hasn't really been addressed and has fact just been allowed you know it was 65 degrees in antarctica yesterday Oy. jesus Oy. Yeah. guys we gotta vote for the <laughs> yeah, right we really people. do we really do i think this is definitely going to come out before the election yeah, in, yeah this yeah. november <laughs> so you guys have some time consider um, this our uh, canvassing uh yeah. make sure you're oh yeah registered. i can i can check that off my box for canvassing for warren or bernie yeah um yeah it really is crazy and we actually have talked politics on the podcast uh, when uh, Carolyn Amine came we mm-hmm. uh, we had a good time talking about kind of the correlations between politics and comedy and kind mm-hmm. of like if the world ends who cares if we're funny like we have to like actually Absolutely. Serve, like it's very hot in this booth I'll say that hey listeners that uh, make I don't sure you... think has anything to do with climate change <laughs> well, also the other thing is that the um you know Trump has been a, a cottage industry for late night comics except yeah. I started to get to where I, I love Bill Maher, but I can't watch the show because I'm too depressed. <laughs> what exactly. are you talking about? And I, you know, is it like, you know, it's like uh, Prozac or something to watch people, you know, make great jokes about it. But there's a point where you go, oh, I wish we just didn't have these things happening that were so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It's- Taking a bite out of stand-up, too. Exactly right. I, yeah. I, I forget who was the guest on uh, Conan's podcast. Uh, someone was talking to Conan about this. It might have been Dana Carvey, but there was basically this conversation they were having about oh, um, yeah. when things are so bad, like people are going to be more sensitive because you, if you're making a joke uh, about something that could like cost them their life or like because they have no health insurance or because like, you know, uh, being a minority or having something about you uh, could bully you to death. Like it's right. harder to laugh. Yeah. And if people feel a little safer and maybe have a little more money, it's easier to kind of laugh at yourself mm-hmm. because you're like you're not constantly crying all the time. Right. Well, the it's other thing now is that there is just such a divide that we're lucky our audience, I think, thinks pretty much the same way, you know, Jim and Matt and I are all pretty liberal and, you know, voted for Hillary, of course. And um, but if you if you trot on the other side in a certain way, you get an angry Twitter oh, reaction. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, as, as you may know, and doesn't stop us exactly, but it gives you pause. You just got to be really careful with what you, you know, how you satirize something and be accurate. Mm-hmm. And and how much, um, how much are you personally affected by what people say on Twitter um, or what people kind of will write in? Just because you know you're an active person on Twitter, um, I see you interacting with the Simpsons and tagging the Simpsons and stuff. How how difficult is it to kind of still be doing the work that you're proud of and that you love without being too influenced by what's happening? Or are you influenced in a positive my, my, way? My, that's what I was going to say is 99% of people I interact with on Twitter are positive and even positive in a, a constructive, critical way. That's you great. Know, when somebody will say, you know, you're horrible. The show hasn't been good for 20 years. I don't really know how to change my <laughs> last 20 years of my life. Yeah. But, uh, you know, people will go, oh, you know, we think maybe that, uh, you know, Bart is becoming a little too much of a loser. And that inspired us a little to do that Bardhood episode, which oh, Dan wow. Brainy wrote. Yeah. You know, which I was there for the table read. And he, he had sort of, you know, pitched future Bart being a loser and the one where Lisa was the president. And then he himself was going like, no, no, Bart should have a positive future, too. Like, he's a cool kid and he's got a nice heart. And, and you know, yeah. so that sort of constructive criticism is great. It's it's That's the stuff. Awesome. I use the mute button just when it's stuff, you know, I agreed with the decision to pull the Michael Jackson episode. I won't go into why I agree. But, you know, if people just sort of get angry and, you know, want me to litigate that stuff, I go, I just mute because I have no, I can't, I know what I think, but I can't convince somebody of otherwise. Right, right. And like the process, yeah, the process of um, interacting with that is going to be the equivalent of Homer, like running around in a circle on the floor, (laughs) you know, like it's just where are we ending with this? And I think that, you know, it's near impossible to change somebody's mind, especially when that person's mind is made up within deep emotions. It's like they're just reacting emotionally. Well, they usually 
only say we didn't watch the documentary, and I go, well, watch the documentary. And if it, <laughs> yeah. Whatever that makes you think, yeah. you know, fine. But <laughs> yeah. it was pretty clear to me. <laughs> so in terms of Disney, and we talked a tiny bit about this before we hit record, um, you know, we have Bart with his penis. Yes. <laughs> that scarred me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Watching that on Disney Plus, pausing it to really take it in. No, I'm just kidding. Um. Um, and then also we have uh, Homer uh, flipping people off, like actual middle finger. Right. Um, yeah, that could, those two things could not appear on broadcast. Those yeah. Were the two. So, um, but though, Julia, you watched on Disney Plus. Those were still intact. They were. They were. And it's interesting. I don't find that Disney Plus is messing with... Um, They're not censoring kind that's of... That's yeah. right. They, they initially... Um, you know, we said to them, please, you know, get this eventually. You didn't do four by three, but they're going to soon. Good, right. Uh, but yeah, that, I was, was, that I was wasn't writing. a content complaint. <laughs> That's uh, good. Yeah. And no, no, they, they actually have been great. They just, they, they wanted us to be us. That's why we were there. And, you know, even with the show we're currently doing, they've just said, do what you do. Like, we right. really had the very little interference. That's so great. Because I think a, a natural question that a lot of people had was, you know, Disney is acquiring Fox. What is this dystopia? The first question. Second question is, what's going to happen to The Simpsons? Well, I hope Lisa becomes a Disney princess. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. And Yardley is also in favor of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, well, I saw her also at D23. She wore the little tiara yeah. and, and moderated your panel, which was very nice. Well, she represents what a lot of the princesses, you know, are, which yeah. is intelligent and, you know, the, the heroine of the of the movie and so forth. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, But with the, you know, the edginess and with Bart, no, they... Uh, you know, they said, do what you've done. I mean, that's great. And um, we actually have mocked Disney Plus in our ads for them. Bart Moon, the ad, <laughs> you know, so uh, I've been really happy. Yeah. Oh, also on that note, there is a Disney bashing joke in the movie. I oh, want to yeah. say. Because Bart says I'm the symbol of an evil corporation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put a bunch of clips together on Disney Plus of Simpsons and Mike making fun of Disney, but they didn't use that. <laughs> oh, wow. I wasn't aware but of that. But we did. Here's, here's an example of it, you know, the tiny censorship. And a little promo for Disney Plus. They were putting on the Disney hats and Bart didn't want to. And Marge's hair shot up and hit Dumbo. And Originally, we killed Dumbo. Great. <laughs> so can you not kill Dumbo? Could you, could you <laughs> kill Dumbo the, before that movie came out? You know, I have to say, like, well, no, it was right when the movie came out. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, but I kind of thought, yeah, I think they actually right. Like, people don't want you to kill Dumbo. Right, right, right. Really, yeah, there's a limit yeah. to it. I would have cried. Yeah, no, that's the, that's the kind of thing. Yeah. And we can sort of bounce around because I know this is sort of getting ahead, but... Um, now that you have this new pact with Disney and it's, you know, sort of like this new chapter of The Simpsons life, do you think that there will be another movie under I think so. However, uh, it was, you know, I used to say the first one I think the quality will be somewhere between Sgt. Pepper's and Sgt. Pepper's movie. <laughs> so I, I was like always just terrified. I just wanted people like you guys who had seen the show all the time to go to it and feel you weren't betrayed. That You know, we yeah. didn't look like a money grab. And I feel that double with any sequel. I don't want anybody to think we did it for the money. There's no reason The Simpsons needs to do anything unless it believes it's a great story idea. We've had some talks about it. But... I, you know, and it's not just my opinion. Everybody thinks the same thing. You know, Matt and Jim. It's like I think there's a lot of pressure to make one, but you know, Jim has the ability to say not until we think it's a great script. And yeah. I really, if it comes out, it's only because we really believed in it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just say, a Disney Lisa Princess movie is what I would want to see. <laughs> <laughs> she could cross over with Wreck It Ralph. They were making fun of Disney princesses in there. It'll be a good old fashioned good time. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, how did you guys feel about the the end product, uh, both how it looked visually, which was really exciting, but then it seemed that that then created a standard for the show to then also... There was a new process developed. It was called uh, Crafty or Cintiq, where you, the animator, you'd say, oh, uh, there's a joke David Merkin pitched about, they see a wanted poster and Bart... Mm-hmm. Uh, draws on it, and then and then um, you see a family that looks like Bart's sketches of the wanted poster, and they turned it around in one day. It used wow. to be like you couldn't do that; you'd have to get a week for the animation. Right. And so David Silverman just drew it up on the board, and we had like a rough in like that we could test right away. Wow! So that took over for the show. Like now we do our animatic uh, storyboards rather not on paper, but on this sort of same sort of process. Every challenge is to do better. I thought, of course, you know, David Silverman did a fantastic job and, every, and we had it. Uh, who's who we had Lauren McMullen and Rich Moore directed wow. the ending and um, Steve Moore and Mike Anderson. I mean, like we had 
just right. murder as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody who's just, they're all brilliant, you know, and um, directed different parts of the movie under David. And um, so uh, the, the funny thing always is just how much was thrown out, you know, how much, you know, we literally had like another bad movie <laughs> <laughs> like, in the cutting room floor. A full length bad um, movie. Anything from the scraps that were cut that you want to share or is it all... Well, I, men- I mentioned the, depths the of hell. <laughs> Skezo, and I mentioned the uh, the read the scene earlier. Um, most of it. Oh, there was a whole song, uh, mostly written by Mike Reese, and uh, music written by Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics about Alaska. Oh, wow. And it was a really funny song. Uh, we animated it, and uh, but everybody always felt both in the movie, writing the movie and the test audiences, that they didn't want The Simpsons away from Springfield for very long. So yeah. this three-minute song just went by the wayside, which is too bad because I'm a huge fan of Dave Stewart. And we worked a lot with him, you know, and it was mm-hmm. just one of the... Aaron Brockovich was in the movie and was cut. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah, I heard recorded that. recorded Driver for the movie and she was cut. Edward Norton was recorded. And none of them were because they, they, they weren't great. It was just because the... Mini Driver was a grief counselor that they had brought into the town, and we just like no. At the end, they just want we want a fast conclusion, right? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Were there any? And maybe you've covered this a little bit, but you know, in having the like bigger ballpark to play in for a movie-sized idea, were there certain jokes that you felt like really excited to finally make? I mean, we talked about flipping off. We talked about things that wouldn't be able to be on broadcast. But but was there something of a, a jubilation in sort of like stretching your wings and being like, we can finally do this one sequence that has kind of been on the board for a while, or we can finally do this? Well, I wouldn't say jubilation because then were, <laughs> but the, the penis joke, I was saying, you know, I thought, okay, that makes the movie funny and tells you why it's a movie. You know, yeah, it was a yeah. really key moment in terms of the movie succeeding with an audience. Right. I loved when the dome is com- comes in and you see it on the big screen. And, you know, that's the kind of huge thing you do. You hint at it in a Halloween show, but you can't do, you know, right. except in the theater. So that I thought that justified it being a movie. And mm-hmm. then, by the way. I was flabbergasted when Stephen King's book came out a year later, uh, Under the Dome. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Because we, so, we were so paranoid. We even actually, Tom Rothman, um, the first time the studio read the movie, we were worried it was right after Hurricane Katrina. And you might recall the headlines were people trapped in dome, you know, right. death oh, in the dome right, right. with the Superdome. And so we had him read it and said, do you fear that there's any you know blowback we'd get? And he goes, well, this is 2005. The movies scheduled for 2007 It'll you know be long enough, people won't yeah, draw right. that connection and you didn't really it wasn't a parody of that it was conceived right, of before it. Mm-hmm. and i can only imagine stephen king watching because i firmly believe he, you know we've stolen more than our share from him he must have had that before oh the yeah movie. but still i would have gone oh <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to live in a reality where he stole that from you guys yeah <laughs> no I, I believe me I, he's the yeah. one guy who doesn't steal his stuff. yeah well it's, i think it's interesting because there are so many cinematic sequences in the tv show version of The Simpsons. And so, you know, how do you top that for a movie? And I felt like sequences like the um, skateboarding through town was really Mm -hmm. interesting. I mean, it's also an homage to the opening credits of him skateboarding through town. Um, And but the one shot that like really made it clear that it was a movie version of The Simpsons was this incredible shot that sort of starts aerial and it's then it goes down and it's the whole town in this giant mob and you see every single person and yeah. you're like going past them. Which people now use as an angry mob meme. And, yeah. <laughs> There's so Sancho, many from the Simpsons That's where Sancho Bob was. Oh, I, I, one thing that we couldn't get is the joke of what the mob chants and um, what my pitch that stayed for a while was they're chanting lick, lick, lick and then you realize they're dyslexic. You say kill, kill, kill. <laughs> but it was too complicated. Right. <laughs> too much of a long walk. <laughs> I would also say the end sequence which was a lot of it was directed by Rich Moore with the glass shards falling. Mm-hmm. He brought that into us and said here's how I think we could make it really cinematic and I think mm-hmm. that was great. And I'll tell you my favorite scene it always is from the movie is not a big one but it's the one where Bart is up on the tree watching Flanders and Flanders makes cocoa for him. Yeah. And uh, the music was so great in that. And I just thought, oh, this is just a sweet moment. Like, it really makes you feel like you're at something special, I think, being at that movie. That, that's yeah. always been my favorite. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, sort of like what we've been circling in our conversation, um, you know, it, there's so many there's so many episodes of The Simpsons, so it's like, how can you dig into something that feels new and fresh? And there's 
you know, I think of um, when Bart and Lisa had to go live with the Flanders for a little bit. So you kind of have those vibes. But there was something that felt very distinct about this connection that Flanders and Bart has. And I also want to say that that Coco, I have a friend, uh, my friend Laurel, who has a blog called, I think, The Joy of Cooking Millhouse. <laughs> and so she recreates items. I'll send you the link um, and we'll share it on our social media feeds. Um, but she recently actually made that Coco and you had can, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah all of the... <laughs> whipped cream on top. Uh, Listeners, go and make yourself a cup of cocoa during this break. And we're back! We're back! I hope everyone had some nice hot cocoa. I personally am drinking some hot coffee in a hot, hot booth on a hot day. (laughs) Because I hate myself. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm watching it all go down. (laughs) Speaking of watching, Mm -hmm. uh, let's find out how it was for people to watch the movie for the first time. Uh, What were the screenings like for people, and how was the premiere? Well, the screenings were a very interesting process. The first one was in Portland, and uh, we had to sneak Matt in because they would have recognized him, and that would have like spoiled the screening. And how did, how, what was the process of sneaking Matt in? Did they did they give him a costume? Yeah, did they give <laughs> no, him the no. prosthetics we, from we just uh, had pop him going, star? Like a back entrance into like the front row early, and we also had a video of the people watching the movie, and we're like, oh, she didn't like that joke. Oh, she didn't like that joke. <laughs> it was like wow. really that's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, they knew we were filming them, and uh, so but it was great because you really got clarity about certain things we had discussed and debated in the room for a long time um and as i mentioned the russ cargill character got you know super sped up and variant turned into a variant of hank scorpio for the movie we added a bunch of stuff like spider pig after the first screening there was a joke i pitched where um homer pretends to be a chainsaw that got in (laughs) very late um and we had a second screening which we always remember really finally in tempe arizona and it went fantastic you know and we had like this pizza afterwards it was really good <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> yeah. and so I was like oh okay what a great and so after that whenever we had a debate about something go, remember Tempe yeah. remember that was, yeah. the, that was the screening how interesting because previous I mean you don't have that for every episode of the show you kind of only no. have the table read to gauge right well a table read and then you show it you screen it at the animatic and you screen mm. it to the you know the staff and crew a couple times and rewrite it but never anything this extensive right. where you're getting all this data. And then the third screening was in San Diego, and it actually went down a little from Tempe. There was a scene that we had added where Homer did something slightly mean to the pig, just slightly, and lowered Homer's favorability 10 points. That's <laughs> yeah. so funny. And, and yeah. it was like, get that scene out. Like, he does not. <laughs> right. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, well, save the cat theory. Of, mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally so believe it. Funny. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just can't do that and and so it's and interesting other, oh. sorry it's interesting that he could like hurt bart to a degree where strangle he, bart it goes up 10 it points it goes up 10 <laughs> points but like hurt a cat or a dog and it's like well but that's a cat or a dog yeah, the cat, cat and the dog didn't mouth off <laughs> and here's another thing who do you guess is the third highest temp- testing simpsons in the movie Hmm. Maggie? Nope. Yeah, we know our shit. Do we have a podcast or do we have a podcast? <laughs> we get to that's, keep that's our podcast. That's why we broke yeah. her out into shorts. So. Yeah, that's great. God, and that, that short, short is so is great. so good. Yeah. Truly so mm-hmm. good. Oscar winning? No. Nominated. Nominated, though. No, I'm going to we say nomina- in my, in my we, house, we nominated, Oscar winning. Uh, lost to Paper Man, <laughs> the, the Pixar short. Oh, who talks about that? What the fuck is Paper Man? Paper Man, if you're listening, this, you know what you did. Isn't that a Disney one? Wasn't it? That's a, a Disney or Pixar, yeah. Yeah, probably Pixar. Well, this is a top secret, but I'll tease there may be another one. Another Paper Man? No. Another... <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, there won't be another Paper Man. <laughs> That's can't, so can't, Let's can't hop say, in the car. can't say anything for a few weeks. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, this is being recorded, but this doesn't come out for a, a while. little while. So. Listeners, be confused by that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's incredible. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, so the experience of uh, getting to kind of have these test audiences was really, really helpful. Uh, and then what was it like when it actually, like, it's it's finished? Like, now we are done. Well, th- never quite had that uh, experience <laughs> because <laughs> we were then, you know, mixing it and we just kept mixing it and mixing it. And then um, we finished the color and that was a long process. And then we left and um, 
Jim went back and cut one thing <laughs> that was the Kang and Kodos at the end of the movie. Oh. So I never did feel that we were done. Oh. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. What, uh, what were Kang and Kodos doing? Complaining. <laughs> were like, all the logical points in the movie. People would have right. loved it. People would have loved it. Oh. Uh, so what does Jim outtakes. know? What, what has he done is my question. Um, I'm curious. So, you know, we kind of talked at the very beginning about how much of an event this was. Um, what was the process like in figuring out how, well, I guess maybe that's a separate department with marketing trying to sort of amp up, you know, this like tease of we're all going to go see this movie and how much it mimicked Itchy and Scratchy, the movie in, in the show. But what was that process for you personally and for the staff in, you know, sort of watching everyone get so excited about something you've been working on for so long? Marketing was insanely good. Um, I should mention there was an executive, Lisa Licht, who was really key on it. And Peter Chernin gathered everyone from Fox for a meeting, literally wow. this room full of everybody a year ahead saying we're going to market this movie. And then these, you know... Uh, she did the idea of Simpsonizing, Simpsonizing characters that you could put your face in it and get yeah. it Simpsonized. Um, we had you know stuff on Burger King and ads, and then um, my favorite was there's this uh, pagan figure in England made out of stones, this large thing in the in the grass, and we they put a Homer next to it, <laughs> and so pagans were mad. So now pagans and Christians have been pissed off at the Simpsons. That's great. great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did really great stunts all over the world. And, That's awesome. Um, there were Seven Elevens that were turned into quick. I mean, that I was, loved that, that was so the much. Best. And uh, another frequent uh, guest on the podcast, Josh Weinstein, and uh, former showrunner on The Simpsons. And current on uh, Disenchanted. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, but he has been very um, vocal on Twitter about uh, sourcing all of these random things that were part of that marketing for the 7-Elevens, including, I don't know if he's received Frostilicus, but there was a Frostilicus, I want to say, sticker on no. like the freezer. Oh, no. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I don't know about it. Yeah, well, I I remember that was it there the would Jasper be Jasper in the freezer. Jasper in the freezer. That's that what I'm awesome. calling Frostilicus. Well, the, the one I have, Burger King had little figures that they gave out with their version of the Happy Meal. Uh -huh. And the as I said, Russ Cargill changed very late, so it was the old Russ Cargill. Wow, the old design. Oh. And, uh, I bet that's worth a lot of money. Yeah, that's like. Um, well, I hope so. <laughs> Captain <laughs> Phasma from yeah. Star Wars, or, yeah. or there was a character that got cut from like yeah. the newest Star Wars. Um, but I yeah. wish all food came with toys. By the way, I'm just going to say it. Fancy yeah. restaurant. I think too. So F fancy restaurants too. Well, I yeah, because if you're going to a fancy restaurant, the fancier, the bigger the toy. I it's agree. going to you know be looming over your tiny <laughs> bite of food. Um, but yeah, the I want to say just like reskinning a Seven Eleven, it seems so simple, but it was really really effective in in that it played within the Quickie Mart facade. But it also I felt like why do we like The Simpsons? It's because we want to live in The Simpsons. And so it felt like I was living in it for a little bit, and it was so cool. And I think that's why Universal expanded the ride to include, and I agree with you, like going to Moe's at Universal so Street. Amazing. So amazing. Cool. So fun. I mean... I, I keep saying I pitched, but I pitched the flaming mo. That was like that's my, great. And, yeah, and so now I can buy one. I mean, it's the craziest thing. <laughs> buy in the world. one for twelve yeah. ninety nine. <laughs> that's so but awesome. Something that was in a show, you know, third season is now. A yeah. Dream. Well, this is a separate episode, just talking about the theme park stuff. But that, but if we could talk about it right now, um, the writing in the theme park land is like so sharp in that you could tell that it came from you guys. That there are so many like menu item bits of copy and like the ride is. So so great and it just feels really personal I, I appreciate that like you have ice cream <laughs> conans and you know things that you don't find in other yeah parts. yeah and it was literally after the movie ended and you know they said to us you know we're doing a ride what wow <laughs> so, like it was like pile into the ride and start wow, writing really? a million things yeah interesting so, so most of the movie people were working on the ride and, oh, and wow. um, one person who did a ton of work on the ride is matt warburton that's what i've heard yeah yeah we got to get him on so he's uh, great really nice guy so while the simpsons movie is being made i mean you're still making episodes of The Simpsons. That's got to be stressful. I was so exhausted. I was literally working, I'm not exaggerating, seven days a week, 10 or 11 hours a day Damn. You know, yeah. in, in the early of 2007. And yeah, it was, it was hard. I mean, um, we were at the breaking point. That's another reason why you know, doing another movie is something we approach very cautiously. You know, sure. it, it might be something that would be 
God forbid the show ever isn't on Fox or isn't on. But if you did it after there was a show, it would be a lot easier. Right. Um, I would imagine. It reminds me of, have you seen that documentary? It's only like a 30-minute documentary um, called Six Days to Air about South Park. I've heard of it. It's yeah, so It's good. so great. I don't know if it's available online to stream. Uh, hopefully it is. But it is. it feels very similar to you guys working on the movie and the TV show because it sort of captures the week of them wrapping the first run of Book of Mormon and then going back into work and creating an episode in six days. It's so hard. It's after so something hard. where you feel like I did it. Yeah. And, and it was the greatest thing because um, when Matt was doing the publicity tour, Jim sent me and my wife, Stephanie Gellis, who's a Simpson writer, on uh, the tour around Europe. So oh, wow. we got this incredible, you know, tour where we went to these hotels and you know got to promote the movie and and uh so i was just feeling so ecstatic and then you come back and you go oh now i gotta do a table read script <laughs> yeah. like, right back to earth super fast <laughs> yeah you're like what day is it what time is it yeah. what is my name have you worked on movie scripts before this is this the first time that you had done i think a it's my film? first credit on any feature i had written some specs and we had worked on a movie for a show we did not necessarily the news it didn't get made but yeah i think my only feature credits are oh and i worked my first job was airplane two where we worked a lot on wow that. Whoa. yeah but we, we couldn't get a credit because of the writer's guild oh because um the director was writing it with us and there's this long thing that's yeah. like he was the original writer so he gets the full credit mm. so he was nice he gave us a special thanks credit at the end that's nice yeah. at least yeah. that's so cool yeah, yeah. his name is wow. ken finkelman so that was like my first hollywood job was working with him yeah that's great and so you know um you you've put a lot of eggs in this Simpsons basket. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you seem to be a big Simpsons guy. Uh, but uh, oh, uh, Only half my life. <laughs> literally half my life. Anyway. Uh, uh, d- definitely a personal question that you don't have to answer and we can always cut. But uh, do you feel that you will be you will retire after the Simpsons just because this is kind of this is so you like this is such your show in so many ways. No, I don't. I don't think that um, I, I, I would look forward to. I mean, I love The Simpsons, and I'd love to be there, but I also look forward to doing something where I wasn't going, okay, we did this in show 620, you know, and you can't do it again. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I mean, it's the greatest. It's the greatest characters, and it's like there's never been a job yeah. like it, and I'm so lucky to get in at the beginning. But, you know, I watch uh, other animation, and I go, wow, I'd love to do something like that, too. I mean, there's other mm-hmm. – so there's what still... we did The Critic. I would love to do The Critic again, for yeah. example, you know, um, I mean, and see what he would do now. Wait, we all want you to do The Critic we, again. Everybody wants you <laughs> to including, do The including Critic. Including John Lovitz, I know. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Well, I'm not sure if his vote counts the most. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's... He was really funny about it. He came on Saturday Night Live to play Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> oh, was that recent? Yeah. Oh, I That's great. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. they sent him to hell. Was oh, really funny. that's really great. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to know that, like, you know, uh, every person that we talk to from The Simpsons still is energized and excited and fanatic, whether they're still on the show or if they left, you know, like Josh still loves yeah. he he's so excited to talk about the Simpsons. It really does seem like a really magical place to to be a part of and um I should say, too, like Disenchantment, I've watched every episode, and it's really cool to do something like that, a whole different world. Right. You know, I, they had a um, Steamland episode where it was like Dreamland versus Steamland. I thought, like, the animation that was fantastic. And so, yeah, yeah that's the kind of thing where you go, like, I just love animation. So Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool to hear that, you know, it's, um, yes, you work at this awesome place that you will stay at as long as is possible, but also you're just excited. You like to work, and you like to come up with jokes, and you like to do this stuff. That's nice. Because some people might get a little fatigued in their job and might think like, well, it's another paycheck. Why would I leave? You know, and and that I think usually shows in the work, you know, and I yeah. think the fact that the people that are on the show are still so excited. And Well, I've said this before. In 1989, is coincidentally, The Simpsons came on and The Little Mermaid came out in the feature world. And that was the golden age of animation started that year in both movies and in television. And. It's, you know, I loved cartoons as a kid, but it was always like, oh, you know, that's like not a great job or it's right. not easy Hanna to Right, Hanna-Barbera stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. or stuff like Bullwinkle was super, super <laughs> low budget, even though the writing was brilliant. And now it's totally different. You know, it's just like people, you know, are going animation, you know, works in many levels and works commercially. And so this is a great 
you know, place to be in if you like writing animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having off of that, having been sort of at like the nerve center of this animation revolution that happened in the late 80s or early 90s, like what do you foresee happening with animation as a medium in the future, 5, 10, 15 years? I think the Netflix model is going to be like a little more common where um, you do less than 22 uh, and maybe you do four or five seasons. You know, there's these yeah. shows like us and Family Guy that have had these insane great lifespans. Um, I think that that was because that that animation model was what worked for uh, one of the big networks doing animation. And really only Fox made it work. Mm -hmm. But now I think that people see shows that they're going, oh, I can watch, you know, 50 episodes. Like BoJack Horseman just ended its run. Yeah. You know, and and so which, you know, if if it works for the writers, and I know I always think the writers should get paid very well for animation because that's where it starts, uh, then it's a great freedom to have. Yeah. I'm sure other people and places cover it better but it's uh i really hope that the animation guild uh ends up treating their writers with the same level of like that they cover their people and protect their people as much as like the normal writers guild does i Uh, I would advocate everyone should be allowed to join the writers guild all animated shows it's the same kind of writing so they should be able to get into the guild and get health insurance and yeah Mike Scully was the guy who really got it done at The Simpsons, and we were very lucky that he did. And, and you know, Matt Groening got it on Futurama as well. You know, it's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hopefully we see it with the kind of uptick in shows like BoJack and these really cool, like, um, you know, shows that are getting nominated for stuff and they're emotional and they do everything that other shows do. Right. Like, yeah, hopefully we see more of that just so more people are also excited to get into the industry without thinking, like, oh, or I'll starve, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, I, that's, this has been my soapbox for a while because I had my start in kids animation and that is covered by the Animation Guild and for the most part were not really present within what they are really striving for having been married to an animator and seeing how they interact with him versus me. <laughs> um, that's Did they been interact better with him? Yes, whatever. This isn't union talk, but I will say that for people that are looking to get into animation writing and I think that, yeah, both kids and adult are equally valuable in the way that you construct stories and um, I hope something changes. I know that it's really complicated. I also know that it's sort of like tethered to something that happened many decades ago that, you know, is like a clause in a contract that is sort of difficult to um, unwind. It takes many more tries, but I do hope that something happens because I want more people to want to write for animation and not feel like they're excluded from it or that kids is a lesser than medium than adult animation because that is just simply not the truth and it just is going to reinforce an imposter syndrome that doesn't need to happen. <laughs> no, no. I yeah, mean, totally. Be on a soapbox, but yeah, I'm pro-guild and I just think yeah. every writer should be covered by the guild that could possibly be. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, make sure to contact uh, who you can. And- <laughs> Here's your homework. Just vote. Go out in March for a bunch of things. Go. There's really a lot you should be going I, out. I need you to. I need you to turn off your car that you're listening to this podcast in. I need you to pull over to the side of the road. I need you to run, not walk. Um, and, and ride stump. a bike. Don't yeah. ride the ride car anymore. Ride a bike. Do all these things. We'll come up with a list. But uh, make sure that you vote for the candidate who is um, supporting changes to climate change um, legislation and. Also, uh, and animation guild so and then, healthcare. <laughs> so then everybody has healthcare, this even is, if they're not writers. Yeah, I mean it's again hard to not be political in these trying times. But <laughs> did not anticipate this to be as political as it was. Well, healthcare. I mean, it's the biggest thing. It's the I biggest mean, thing. And climate change. I, yeah. I mean, the two of those. That's going to affect everybody forever. Yeah. And I couldn't feel more strongly about either. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and we creatives are going to be the Titanic band playing <laughs> as, which is a joke Which you is guys a joke made. in the Simpsons movie. Yeah. With Green Day. Oh, I, I forgot to mention. It. Yeah, we got to go up to see Green Day when they did that. And wow. We got to see all of their guitars. They have an enormous collection. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that was that was really fun. They were great. I love the also the joke that happens after. The, I mean, I love that you guys killed Green Day. Um, and, well, I just wanted to do that thing with the violins, like Titanic. I just said that it's. That, I that, there's two things in that Titanic so that I always, you know, choke up on. It's that, and then the dad going. There'll be another boat along for the daddies. Uh, I, yeah. I like that. Just that gets breaks me every my time. heart. Yeah, but I I've been thinking a lot about um, that Titanic band, like, and just how I'm navigating 
being an artist in today's world where I'm like, well, we're just going to keep playing until it goes down. And I love that you guys made that joke. But I also loved uh, Reverend Lovejoy um, referencing all the other bands that they've killed or like other fallen people in the town. Or There's some allusion to it. I'm, I'm sort of forgetting the phrasing, but it was very funny. Well, I'll tell you a Titanic story I heard when we were going to Phoenix for the Simpsons screening from Tom Rothman, which was when they first saw Ruffs for the Titanic, it was way dark because it was like a night set with a dark ship. So if you'll notice when you watch Titanic again, the one thing that works right to the end is the lighting system. Yeah. That <laughs> ship electricity is going. So the ship is right down yeah. in the water. <laughs> I actually just watched this last month, so it's very fresh. Really? My, my boyfriend Alec had never seen it. <gasps> wow. Yeah. And it was very fun. I, I, I was a snob about everything, as mm-hmm. I say many times on this podcast, and I definitely was, uh, you know, that movie came out in 97, yeah. and I, you know, I was six, so I was a tiny bit young for it. But I I remember being very judgmental of people who liked Titanic. I thought it was like people who like The Bachelor and like people just like, oh, another girl movie. Like I, yeah. I always was very sexist about that type of stuff. And I always thought like, oh, big deal. <laughs> like, you know, and then I and then I watched it and I was like, it's so good. I can't stop <laughs> crying. Yeah. Now I love it. Yeah. I had the um, there was like three VHS tapes or two or something because it was such a long movie. And I remember the transition between tape one and tape two was when Kate Winslet gets slapped. Wow. Like it's like, <laughs> boom, turn to tape two. That's so funny. It's like, oh, well, thank you. Well, that anyway. character, we did, I didn't like at the time. Billy Zane. I mean, oh, you know, Billy he's Zane. like, oh, Picasso. He's, That's so he's funny. wrong yeah. about every single thing. I it's know. so funny, though. And I, I love that joke of like that the audience is supposed to know he's bad because he doesn't like Picasso. Like as if that. <laughs> That's like <laughs> it worked for me. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, do you? Have... I, but I was at the end because I thought it was great. It was a great movie. But it's great. at the end when she's throwing the jewel, and I go, "But wait, that's not the, the Leonardo's jewel. That's Billy Zane's. Yeah. <laughs> or at least the story give it, or give it to somebody who could eat with it. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm very like practical. Like uh, when I was watching Breaking Bad, I remember in like the first season. Um, Jesse Pinkman is living in his aunt's house and it was such a nice house and he like yeah. destroys it. And I remember there's one scene where like a bathtub goes through the floor and I just was like clutching my pearls like, but no, like, why are you destroying this house? I have the same exact reaction. Uh, I also, uh, you, I shared this on Twitter as well, but I can't stop thinking about, uh, so I wasn't allowed to listen to Britney Spears or anything like that. And I only recently watched a Britney Spears video and in it, oh, she yeah. is given the the necklace from Titanic, which is so <laughs> weird to begin with. And she responds saying, isn't that the necklace that the old lady threw in at the end? And it's just like, what? The old lady? Like, there's so many things you could say about that that are that. 2000s were a wild time. <laughs> the Let me tell you, Britney Spears has been on her own planet this entire time, and I'm here for it. I'm ready to touch down on that Mars rover. Anyway. It was insane. Um, Al, do you have any uh, uh, thoughts or, or comments that we didn't maybe get to that you'd like to share before we close out? Uh, just when the movie came out, I just remember there was a still we were nervous we were always nervous about our reception and then i remember on rotten tomatoes like it was a good review in time magazine and a good review in the washington post and like i remember calling jim and and that was it that was when we knew it would at least be a good movie which is what you know we were hoping all along and working for so it was an incredible feeling of relief and and you know i don't I don't think it's a perfect movie. I can see things here and there. I go, oh, I wish we'd gotten that better. I fixed that thing. But I definitely will say we worked as hard as we possibly could yeah. have to make it something <laughs> the fans would appreciate. Well, and I think it's definitely uh, holding the test of time. And because of Disney Plus, I think you're going to get a lot of people and kids watching it for the first time. And how exciting is that? Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Cool Al. This has been great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Every time. <laughs> uh, where can people find uh, you and and uh, on social media or Just anything else like on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I just read if you go off Facebook, then uh, it's actually like um, having successful therapy. You're 20% happier. <laughs> so oh, I'm not, yeah. I've never been on Facebook. I've never have been. Good yeah, for you. Yeah, that's good. Good for you. I'm almost there. Yes. And Julia, where can people find you? Oh, thanks so much for asking. I'm at Julia Prescott on all the things. Allie, where can people find you? Thank you so much for asking. You can find me at Allie Gerson on all the things. You can find us at Simpsons Pod. Yes. And Round Springfield. Is a production of Maximum Fun. We are a member-supported show, so go to maximumfun.org/donate to contribute. This episode was engineered by Jordan Cowling. Our booking manager is Jesus Ambrosio, and our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Swish. Smell you later. (laughs) 
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.